0: Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. New vision, new vision, covering the whole
1: world. Hello, welcome to the New Vision Podcast. My name is Adi, Fred, Max. We are continuing with our Dubai undercover podcast series, where our journalist gets trafficked to Dubai, sold in a slave market, actually works as a slave, and returns back home to tell us her story. Well, this is our fifth episode. But in our previous episode, our undercover journalist was taken to the human slave market. She wasn't bought, but will she survive this time? What does she observe at the slave market? Find out if she will be bought as a slave, maid, or sex worker. Sit tight and listen.
0: By the time I'm taken to the slave market, I know everything that goes on there. The girls have briefed me. Yet when the day comes on January twenty-eighth. It is still shocking to me. It is degrading, inhuman, and cruel. I will never forget that day. It is a day I lost faith in humanity. For the sake of money, there is nothing a human being cannot do to a fellow human being. Sarah again briefs us on how we are to conduct ourselves at the market, which she calls the office. She says Arabs prefer maids with experience, so those who can, should claim they have been housemates before. She explains that those who have less than two years of working experience in Dubai will earn 8,000 dirhams, which is about 800,000 shillings, and those with experience will earn 1,000 dirhams, which is about 1 million shillings. She also says we should say we have children, even if we do not, because Arabs want to work with mothers. They imagine people who have children respect them and will protect them. The office is a big marketplace for housemaids. It is made up of two markets separated by artificial green carpet with games for children or families who come to buy workers. One market is labeled Al Wadad Labor Recruitment and the other is Kotaj Labor Recruitment. The markets are close to each other in the municipality of Ajman, opposite Ajman Post Office, after Sharjah on the way from the airport. Each of us is dressed in long dresses because Sarah says our bums must be hidden. She says Arabs are insecure about employing a maid with a big butt and are protective of their husbands. We cover our heads the Islamic way and carry our luggage in case we are bought. We leave them in a small store and sit on a raised platform behind glasses. In front is a counter where our agent Sarah sits, waiting for buyers. But... We were told she has brokers outside the building who keep calling out to potential buyers and bringing them to our store, the same way salons are aggressively marketed at Gazaland in Kampala. Sarah has many more maids than the ones at her home. The different groups meet at the market. She separates us into three groups according to our origins. They are the Africans, Filipinos, and the Indians. Many clients come with specific nationalities they want. Only a few do not mind. The Al-Wadad and Kotage human markets cover about six acres. There are about 15 agents at Al-Wadad, but al has about 20. Each has a horde of humans on sale, but I only see Africans and Asians. Africans are from Uganda. Ghana, Sierra Leone, and Ethiopia, while the Asians are from Sri Lanka, India, the Philippines, and Indonesia. Whenever a client stopped at our stall, we were all to stand up and smile. If he picks interest in you, you step out, turn around, and he touches you wherever he wants to. If he likes you, a mini interview is carried out immediately. The common questions are whether you have worked in any country as a maid before, your age, if you have any children of your own, when you arrived in Dubai, and if you have any sickness or allergies. Our agent tells us to say we were either married or divorced because Arabs do not want to use housemates who are single. If they agree to take you, they pay Sarah. You pick your belongings and follow the buyer. I however noticed that the client never signed anywhere that they have taken you. If they do not pass the interview, you return to the shelves with a hostile stare from the agent, as if it was your fault. Some girls tell us they have been here for several weeks without being bought. Some of the clients make fun of us. Most of them come as a family and start to discuss us right in our presence. Even when it was in Arabic, you could tell who was praising you and who was insulting you. If they wanted a babysitter, they came with babies and toddlers to test if the baby would like the potential maid. They would make you carry the baby, and if it cried, you would have failed the interview. Three things unnerved me that day. One of them is the ridicule humans have to put up with. The girls on sale are commodities who have no say in the transaction. I cry when, at the next store, Some old women on sale from Sri Lanka, who must have been in their 50s, are always being made to go through the rituals of standing, smiling and turning around, only to be dismissed by every client, often before completing their 360 degrees of rotation. Other clients call each other to collectively laugh at them. I felt like killing somebody. The second thing is the brutality of some agents. Sarah is civil compared to others who are rough, keep shouting at the girls on sale and even slap them. At the stall next door, an agent slaps an Indian woman on sale for failing to smile properly for a buyer. She threatens to throw her out on the street. Thirdly, and most lethal, is the discovery that agents do not care whether the girls are sold as sex workers or as housemates. All they want is money. I wasn't bought at the slave market that day. I was afraid of going back to Sarah's prison. I knew she would insult me. Sarah started to lose her temper. Potential buyers would come, stare at us, and leave. She barked at me for not trying to present myself well enough for buyers. She says it is my duty to market myself to get the jobs. Before she is done, A client enters, and I must smile as if I'm enjoying it. The office is also where those who bought maids before and did not like them return them to the seller for replacement. The Arabs return girls for flimsy reasons, because they know housemaids are many anyway. They'll either get a replacement and move on to another agent. It's like replacing a phone, a broken phone. We try as much as possible to talk to the girls who are being returned, But Sarah blocks access. She does not want us to know why she was returned. But it is traumatizing for the rest of us. Imagine being bought by someone who has just returned your colleague who is now crying. You're told to go and replace her when you know nothing about why she failed to work at that house. The Arab name for housemaid is Kadama. You can't know for sure why a girl has been returned. They claim the Kadama was lazy, dirty, stinky, hostile, did not smile for my children, wears makeup, among other reasons. Filipinos are the most expensive and most sought after because they are said to love children. I am told Arabs also like Ugandans because they are hardworking and speak good English. But they also say Ugandans love to rest, which is not acceptable with Arabs. I noticed that the decision to buy a slave is usually taken by the women. In fact, to stay longer in a home, you must impress the woman, even if the man is not impressed. Some of the buyers are whites, others are Indians, and yes, I saw a black couple or two trying to acquire slaves. We all gasp when a tough-looking woman comes along with her man to our store. She points at me and I step forward praying to God not to be chosen. She makes me rotate three times and complains that my bums are too big. Nevertheless, she gestures that I go for an interview. I am so nervous that she tells me to calm down. During the interview, I realize that I might be impressing the woman instead. I do not think she would make a good boss. So when she asks me if I know how to look after a baby, I say no. I can feel Sarah behind me. Almost bursting with anger. She repeats the question, and I tell her I do not like children at all. That is how I am returned to my shelf and eventually back to our prison home, with Sarah breathing fire about how I was just consuming food without being bought. I try to explain that the woman looked cruel, but Sarah will not hear any of it. If I wanted a mother, she says, I should have remained home in Uganda. I am bought on the second day, early in the morning. It is about 8.30 when two women come in. I notice that one of the women is the one who returned one of Sarah's maids the previous day. The girl was bought again that very evening. The women talk to Sarah, and she calls all of us to step forward. We are five. We smile as usual and turn around. The women look jolly with their smiles as they look at us one after another they do not ask any questions they want to take all of us at a go Sarah had already briefed us that once we are chosen we should negotiate to have phones and Wi-Fi while at work so I ask if we shall have access to phones the older woman refuses saying phones will interrupt the work I say I will only be chatting in the night the younger woman speaks to her in Arabic And so does Sarah. I think they managed to convince her. So we are told to pick our luggage. Sarah also returns our passports. Finally, my first job. My final exit from the prison that is Sarah's house. And my passport. I can even leave the next day. I had enough for a full story. Sarah calls us aside and begs us to work hard in our new positions. She advises us to always smile, even if they abuse us, and to always make sure we do all the work we are given. The smile Sarah puts on while selling us can make one think that she has never quarreled in her entire life. We initially think we are going to the same home, but once out of Sarah's hands, we are distributed to what looks like different families who are relatives or friends. I live with my new bosses, a man and his wife. We leave the slave market at about 9 p.m. and drive for about 40 minutes to our destination. I am so scared at this point and fail to trace where I am being taken. I had survived the prison and the market, but my heart is not at peace at this point. What could be the problem? Am I being taken for slaughter? Sex work? where my boss is cruel? I decide to place everything in God's hands.
1: Well, this brings us to the end of our fifth episode of the Dubai Undercover podcast series. The sixth episode will be out on Friday, so look out for it. But in the meantime, you can share this with your friends. Maybe they will learn one or two things. If you missed our previous episodes, please go to the New Vision website, which is www.newvision.co.ug. Till then, stay safe. And God bless you.
0: You've been listening to the New Vision Podcast.